I think we ought to ask God for some help, don't you think? Uh, that's what our hearts were saying in that, in that singing, and none of us in this room can make a shift spiritually. The preacher up front surely can't shift you or himself, and you can't shift you. It, it's going to come down to a work of Christ in us. Lord, we ask for that help, and uh, you know I'm excited to open your word and to put it in front of our ears and to ponder. And yet, Lord, uh, the wrestle becomes very real for each of us as we open your word. Will we obey? Will we listen? Will we listen enough to have our deception removed? Will we, uh, will we sit back and have the encouragement that you intend to give us? Or will we hold to our fears? Lord, there's so many directions from just the one simple passage we'll be in this week. So we ask for your help, <clears throat> and I pray that uh, uh, as we walk throughout the rest of each day, if you give them to us, that our encouragement of one another, too, would just be, be just as important in putting this word in our hearts. Lord, use each of us together, then, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm one of these people that I feel like parenting, family camp, there's a lot of things that we seem to do most of it when we're totally tired. Any, anybody agree with that? You know, I, I, so I think life needs to be boiled down, even though it's very complex, we kind of need to boil some things down so they're simple enough that I can remember them and do them when they're difficult. Maybe I was thinking of that with family camp when I decided, you know what, I'm going to preach one passage, same passage, all week. Well, that's good, right? If you get it today, you can relax the rest of the time. All right? But I don't think that's what's going to happen when you see the complexity of the passage and how Paul intended for it to stretch every direction. The other reason I'm teaching this passage is it's full of story. And Phil was up here just last hour to those of us who are in the room talking to us about the importance of our story, of the story of Christ and how we need to speak that story and what God is doing to, uh, to each other. Speak that to each other and listen to it because we're greatly impacted by life stories. And we think about this whole section in 1 Corinthians 10, so if you want to find your way there, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 14, and I'll probably tack a couple verses on from later in the chapter. But in 1 Corinthians 10, you just have this idea that's kind of sitting right there. Learn, just as you were here this week, just a couple simple things. Learn about your relationship with God from the life stories found in Scripture and apply them to your life. Matter of fact, the outline is pretty much the same every night. Um, as we speak the rest of the week during, in the evenings. How should I relate to the characters in the story? And how, or excuse me, and what do I learn about God? So really just two things to think about all week. How do I relate to the characters in the story? And what am I learning about God? And of course, that's going to impact us as we learn that. When I think about the impact of stories on us, I, I mean, I love to tell stories. As a matter of fact, as a preacher, I, I told one joke in all my years as pastoring, because I can't tell a joke to save my life, but I love to laugh, and I love a good story, uh, and, and how God uses that in our life, for, both for fun and also for seriousness. For some reason, God thinks the same thing. Most of the Bible is stories, and God wrote them that way because we remember them. I mean, I have trouble memorizing verses. We were working on that already. Um, with Phil, but we're also going to work on it in this session because it's good for us to memorize Scripture. And so we memorize Scripture, we think about the truths that Scripture gives, and then we remember, remember the stories 
that are in that. And this passage captures both of these ideas. When I was thinking about this, even this morning reviewing, I thought, well, I'm going to tell a little bit of our recent story. So I'm John Jenks. You got that from a couple of people already in introductions. My wife, Jennifer, is with me, and I'm so excited about that. Matter of fact, the staff prayed. They even sent a video to her begging her to come to family camp because our journey has been a little upended, um, and it's not necessarily related to pandemic and all the things that uh, we're, we've been thinking about as people in this room, but God saw fit to move us from where I had pastored for 21 years And a few years ago, in 2017, he shifted our attention to training leaders and helping churches revitalize uh, underneath Baptist church planners and shifted our attention to that. Our church was behind us in it and so began to serve as a missionary for the last several years, staying in our same town, uh, still members of our same church, being encouraged by them and helped by them. But now this year, uh, the council at BCP has asked, uh, me to come and be the next president of Baptist Church Planners. And so that involved moving. And I'm thinking, really, Lord? I mean, I have all these, rela- you know, I should be going, really, Lord? This is great. But that's not, you see, that's the way I thought of the story. I was going to tell it that way. Like, oh, God did this, and we've obeyed. We use this passage in Matthew 6, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What things? Well, he takes care of us. He says, don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your drink. Don't worry about your clothing. Isn't life so much more than these? And we know that passage, right? And actually, that passage has guided our life at many changes. But I don't know. All of a sudden, when this was put in front of us, I'm like, but God, you you recognize that, like, we have a brand new grandbaby, and she lives a mile and a half from us. (laughs) Now, didn't you you read in Scripture that, grandparent, thou shalt not move away? (laughs) I'm quite certain that's in there. I'm still looking, by the way, if you can help me with that, you know. But I have not found it. Yeah, Hezekiah, probably right about there in his last 15 years. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, you know, you're thinking, God, what are you up to? And, and I have, like, I remodel, I remodel, I restored this Minneapolis Moline. I love it. Jesus goes, I know, sell it. <laughs> right? So, I mean, you're not going to play on Wisconsin land anymore. You're going to go live in a subdivision. I know, some of you are groaning, some of you are like, can I? You know, but See, our desires are all different. And this passage is written, and it says that this passage was written that we would not hold to our evil desires. So these, these stories from the Old Testament, that he gives one line on each story, he says these are written that we wouldn't, they'd be an example to us so we don't hold to our evil desires. Say there's nothing evil about an old tractor. There is if you love it more than Jesus. And this passage is clearly going to say, no idols. And on the flip side, the passage is going to say, God is faithful. You're supposed to say amen. That's like the best line that I've said so far, okay? <laughs> God is faithful. He is. And, and that doesn't mean, though, that Jennifer and I, in a human sense, I mean, um, we're like, okay, we're gonna, we just bought this house. Her dad lives with us for the last eight years in this home. Her mom's in assisted living. She's an only, my wife's an only child. Like, really, we're going to move our family 600 miles from our support structure? God, I'm on the road 25,000 miles a year away from my wife most of that time. How is that going to work for taking, I mean, all these thoughts go through your mind. Because they're human thoughts. They're not even inherently evil, these thoughts. But if we worship what we think we need in those thoughts, we're so mistaken. 
Um, I look at my story from the last number of months, and I thought, God, I, I have such outreach opportunities. I mean, I just walk into our Walmart in Wisconsin Rapids. It's the only store. And uh, I walk in there, and uh, there's always people I know. I can have gospel conversation with lost people. When I go to the restaurant, when I go to Walmart, it doesn't matter where I go, on my block, I have ready opportunity. I mean, God, I mean, I can't lose all that as if God can't provide at a pace that would dizzy you opportunities for the gospel. I mean, I know when you hear my story, you're like, you're really not very bright, are you, spiritually? I'll have to confess, you're right. There are times I'm not very bright. I am deceived, and I am tempted, as this passage will tell us. I'm tempted to go a wrong direction, to think a wrong thing. And yet I go back to that Matthew passage. I think, seek first God's kingdom. So my wife and I, amidst tears and excitement about opportunity in front of us, I mean, Honestly, I've been working with training leaders. God's multiplying that ministry. It was designed to multiply and need less of me at some point. I didn't think it was yet. And yet God is, he's being faithful. It's in the passage, and it's a fact. And he has multiplied for this fall the next step at the exact pace that I thought we could even handle. No slack to what God's doing. He, he is our drink. He is our bread. He is better than clothing, he says in this passage. He's our rock. He's our total place of shelter. Seek first God's kingdom. And, as we were talking about the path earlier this morning, and his righteousness, the path that he wants us on. He says, seek that. And everything that is necessary for satisfaction and survival, I mean, honestly, he brings it, is what Matthew would say, and it's bored out in this passage. You know, it's still hard to be away from our granddaughter, but thank God we live in an era with Snapchat, right? And uh, so many other FaceTimes and things that, that we can enjoy and enjoy our children, and God is multiplying opportunities as we now live in Oberlin, Ohio. It takes a little longer drive to get to you, by the way. Um, compared to Wisconsin. Um, and God has taken care of Jen's parents. We bought a, a lot smaller home, and God fitted it perfectly. Dad's in the master suite, works. He says he calls it his apartment. He's thrilled. And mom's at assisted living. Can you imagine, can you believe that we were able to move my mother-in-law during the height of COVID from one assisted living to another across the country? I'm not telling you, that's an act of God. And our whole house sold in two and a half days which is what sped all this up. We thought it was going to be months. Where we live is a poor economy. Since we moved, the major employer in our town, I'm talking major employer, went out of business. I don't know if it would take a strange actor God to sell our house now. God just, he took care of every piece of what he's doing in our life. That's what he's like. He's faithful. We, I tell you that story so you, hopefully amidst my struggle, so you realize this is not a story about how John and Jen are great people. no. We, we fall down, we get frustrated, we question God, just like you do in your walk. But God is faithful. Amen. Okay, we got that now. God is faithful, and he'll teach that. So let's learn a verse together. I don't think I've ever done this preaching, so this should go badly. You know, you've got to try something new every once in a while. And I didn't even know that, that Phil was going to kind of make you learn something this week, so this is good. But this, if, again, we're working on the same passage all week, so if you memorize this, you have most of it. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it, well, read it with me out loud. Ready? Now, happen to them as an example 
but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. I don't know about you, I was teaching this. The only place I've ever taught this section of Scripture is at a discipleship duck hunting that I do every year with a group of guys, and I was teaching this last year, and that last phrase just landed on us, that clause, on whom the end of the ages has come. I mean, you realize, people, we are sitting right here, and God, who's, he's just in this passage told a bunch of stories by the time you get to the first. He's told a bunch of stories of all this history. You know, God made the world, existed forever in time before that, made the world, chose out a nation Israel, revealed his redemptive power, showed how, though man had rejected him and sinned, that he would win him and provide satisfaction for that sin so that just God remained just and holy, and yet at the same time, holy loving, took mankind, you, me, who believe, wipe us totally clean, as we just sang in a couple of those songs, so that we are now righteousness ready to be in glory with our Savior. Amen? I mean, that's what God has done. He's painted this out in just real-life pictures so that you know it really happened, so that mankind across history could taste it and touch it, because that's what we know. And here we sit at IRBC with the end of the ages on us. This is an era unlike any other in world history. You understand that? And we're not talking about pandemic. That's like schmuck stuff. That's little stuff. Okay? We're talking about this is the age of the church. You can say amen to that. It's like exciting. You're not excited about your church? Um, we just had to switch churches. That's just weird. I mean, I was a pastor. Like, churches always wanted me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I have to go find a church? Like, what is this? And like, we had to sing in church with masks on. You know how fun it was to sing just a few minutes ago? I was like stretching out like, this is great. I get to hear people and sing. It's awesome. This is the end of the age. You understand at the end of this age is the beginning of something unlike anything else. And we are at this end of the age where we have a responsibility as God's people, his church, to take the gospel to the entire world. Amen? Amen? I mean, that's our job. And it's your, you say, well, I'm just, and you fill in the blank, whatever you think you just are. Let me tell you, you are just that. In God's hand, his tool as believer to be witness right where you are. I mean, that's where it happens. It doesn't happen from here and reach the world. The world doesn't even come to church. You understand that? The way the world is reached is that each of us come under the understanding that all this was written as an example to us, what? And it's written down for our instruction. Why? Because the end of the age is on us. I mean, do you want to report to Moses that you did your age badly? I think of that. You know, I, you're like strange thoughts with John, right? But I think of that. I'm like, and Moses go, yeah, I didn't do so well either. I beat that rock up, got in trouble, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a little bit comforting, right, that we kind of every age we struggle, but, but understand, we, we have a responsibility, and if that feels intense to you, like you came to family camp to relax, you came to the wrong preacher, sorry, okay, because I read scripture, and I go, and, and that responsibility is joy. That responsibility has almighty rest infused into it. That's a cool thing, but it's on us. Well, let's try and memorize this first, so let's... Uh, well, you better say it one more time. Ready? 1 Corinthians 10, 11. As an example, but they were written down for our instruction 
on whom the end of the ages has come. All right, next slide. Ready? Here we go. First, 10, 13. 10, 11. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> We're going to get to 13. Let's help the preacher. He's in trouble up front, right? First Corinthians 10, 11. Now, these things happened... on whom the end of the ages has come. All right, let's do the next one. I think we have it. Sure, except me. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now, as an example, but they were written down on whom the end of the ages has come. Let's do that one more time, then we get the last one. I think we have it. At least all the young people have. Oh, man, here we go. He's mean at Noah's back. Noah's mean in the back. We were going to read that one more time. Never mind. Here we go. Ready? 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now these things happened to us as an example. They were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. It's a good thing we have all week. Um, the good thing is tomorrow's memory work, if you choose to climb into it, and we're not going to review every night like this, um, but it's just one more verse, and it's like three words, okay? So you can catch up and uh, get, get verse 11. Um, you think about this passage. What's it saying? It's saying, I need to learn about my relationship with God from the stories found in Scripture. Let me read the passage, and you can read along. And kids, you want a, a little uh, assignment, okay? You may not be looking at your notes on page 7 in your booklet. You can. Maybe your parents didn't give you a booklet. Maybe you don't get one. This is what I want you to do. As you listen to this little section, kids, I want you to circle in your mind, or in your Bible if you're allowed, all the characters in the section, okay? So that a character is any person or group of people in a story. So here you go. I'm in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 14. It says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, but <laughs> brothers, uh, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and, to, and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let not anyone think, excuse me, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you to be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Verse 23 and 24, I'm going to add in. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. There's a lot of characters in this little section. 
and we're only going to touch on a few of them today. We'll touch on hopefully the rest of them as we go throughout the rest of the week. But just thinking in this story, how might you relate to the characters? The first character I want to have come up is Paul. I think it's two slides from here if you could. Paul, he's a leader in church. I think he's leading many churches. And he's a leader probably in some kind of extended family. Let me ask you as you sit here at family camp, do any of you fit in that category? Are you a father, a mother, a husband, a grandfather? You're a leader. There's deacons, Sunday school teachers, deaconesses, whatever your church has. You are leaders in many places. Many of you lead at work. Um, and you need to represent Jesus Christ as leader at work. If you, if you think about Paul, he is that kind of leader picture in the passage. You say, I didn't see Paul in the passage. Who wrote 1 Corinthians? Okay, there you go. He's in the passage. You got to remember who wrote it and who received it is part of the passage part of the passage and part of the character. So Paul is a leader in church. He's guiding us. What did Paul say in this passage just specifically? Um, he looked at us and he says, you need to see Christ as the food and drink for your soul. You need to see him as your shelter clothing. He is the rock, not an idol. It's interesting that Paul here sounds just like John the apostle. They both had the same kind of language. John looks at us and says, and don't, don't follow idols, my children. Um, so apparently, to us, because we're in this little story. Did you circle us? We're in there. Because you have the Corinthian believers, but you also have those who Paul knew were going to read this as inspired scripture far beyond the church at Corinth. We're part of this. And he's looking at us, just like he looked at those in Corinth. And he says, you need to listen. And what do we need to listen to? That Paul says, let Christ be your food and drink for your soul. Let him be your shelter. If that was all you got out of today, that would be enough. Because let me tell you, if I go long, this will be illustrated. Because you'll go, um, I'm hungry. Like, I need some food. You know, and pretty soon... I mean, I, I tell you, I literally, if I go 10 minutes long, there'll be some of you like, um, I need some coffee, let's go. Like, we're done. Uh, I need my double mocha, cappuccino, something or other, you know? Like some of you are, you're, you're already got the shakes because you can't go to Dunkin', you know, for the whole week. And you're like, how am I going to survive? <gasps> That's right, downstairs in the cafeteria. No, I mean, some of you are struggling. If you don't get your drink. I was backpacking one time with a group of guys in the mountains in New York, the high peak region. And... Uh, we were on this, we were doing five high peaks in one, one fell swoop in the afternoon. And there was one little creek in between two of them. And that's where we were going to get, renew our water. And we got there and the creek was dry. And we took a little vote. We still have some water. Are we doing the other four or are we going to go way downhill, miss the other four and get water? And they're like, let's do it. We could do this. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, by, the, by two more mountains later, they looked at us and they said, we're going to kill our leaders. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I mean, it was a total Moses moment. We actually, as leaders, we hiked partway down, found some pretty stale water, treated it, because this is back in the day before filters. And I said, okay, you got to wait 20 minutes, so we might as well hike. And they're like, we're not moving. <laughs> we will sit here for 20 minutes till we can drink, you know. And we laugh, but if we took away water from you, which would be wrong, if we took water away from you and you had nothing to drink, let me tell you, this camp would start to come unglued. Such a perfect illustration. And, and probably even more powerful is protection. 
If you've, some of you have lived life where you thought there was no security because it was almost a reality. Almost, I mean, it obviously wasn't because you survived. But some of you have been in desperate spots where it seemed like there was no one to protect you. And that's a horrible thing. And, and Paul is looking at us, and he's looking through the story of the Israelites, and their story is extreme. We're going to dive into it a little bit this week. It was extreme. And he says, I'm telling you, and he turns it. Well, you don't even see it in the Old Testament directly. He says, Jesus is that manna, right? Bread of life. Jesus is the living water. Jesus is rock that kept you. We don't ever grow past the need for that. Secondly, Paul would be looking at him and says, you know, I want you to think about temptation a little bit, okay? I want you to think about temptation. Think this. It's in your notes. Um, that You need scripture. I mean, that's why this is written. So we'd be able to overcome temptation. He says, take heed lest you fall. Some of you go, I've moved beyond temptation. I'm not generally tempted. I hope you don't ever say that because that means you're totally deluded. Because if you feel no temptation, then Satan must own you um, at that point. And so I'm just, if you've gotten pretty high and mighty and righteous in your churchified living, I'm here to disrupt that with Scripture and tell you that's not true, okay? This is common to man. This is normal. And ladies, you're not allowed to go, see, I told you, it's the man. No, that was (laughs) mankind, okay? That's what that means in that section. So this is common to man. You need Scripture. You need to be prepared. It's common. And know this, God is faithful. So you need not fear temptation in that way. And he says, and there is, Paul said, there is a way of escape. And so if you say, I don't think so because I keep getting stuck here. I'm here to tell you the scripture says, and it's going to be illustrated in vibrant ways this week from the Old Testament, that there is a way of escape. Amen? You do not have to go down the path that you have gone down many, many times. You do not have to continue. And there is endurance promised to us. He says, make sure in the middle of this, as God helps you, that you think of your neighbors, those verses I tacked on, and care for your neighbors. Well, there's other characters, and you're going to have to work to relate to them. You have the believers. I'd give you that. Maybe you're Paul. Maybe you're sitting here going, I need to be instructing this. What am I doing? I haven't looked at my family in how long and sat with them. Now, with COVID, you've kind of been stuck in the house And so some of us did a little better husbanding and fathering for a couple of weeks, maybe, but then it trickles off so easily, doesn't it? So family camp's a great time. Go back, renew, do the right things, find yourself on that path that Phil was talking about this morning and say, okay, Lord, from here, next piece, and take the responsibility if it's yours as a Paul. But all of us here in this room should at least be listening to Paul. And if you say, I'm so far gone, you have no idea how messed up my life is. Let me tell you, I can read from 1 Corinthians and find people just as messed up as you. Guaranteed. I mean, this is the most messed up church. Some of you might say, you don't understand, the church I come from is so messed up. Perfect sermon series for you then. Because this is a messed up church that Paul is infusing hope and, and, and help and endurance to. So, if we're a believer at Corinth type person, you might be an Old Testament Israelite father where you were an example of faith. You know, we pick on them, but there's going to be parts of the story where you're going to see parts of the nation of Israel and part of those fathers who did right and held resolve. And then there's other parts that are idolaters. 
If you look at next slides, they're deceived by their idols. They're, they're deaf and under, not even understanding the temptations. They don't even consider their responsibility to their neighbors. Maybe you're in that idolater class. You've been holding to those things. That's why you're so mean, so distant, so fearful. And as we walk this week, there'll be relief. There's rescue. There's escape for idolatry. I'm glad because I've worshipped stupid things like tractors and opportunities and things that I've made up in my mind into idols. Um, there's Moses, who's a type of Christ. You say, whoo, that's pretty lofty. If you're a husband, you're supposed to be a type of Christ with your wife. You're supposed to be a picture of that. Each believer is that. A father is an example of the father. The lost, how do, they, how do they know Jesus? They're going to know it from the Word of God and from your image-bearing of Jesus. So in this passage, like Moses, you have responsibility. Just very quickly, so we go from those characters to the second question. And the second question is the idea of what do I need to learn about God? This is my favorite part of each sermon this week as we work together because as we look at these things about God, I just rest because you see who he is. And sometimes I'm stirred up and I have fear in the right way, and I, I get pulled into line, into correction. But what do you learn about Christ? In this passage, we have both Christ and the Father, God the Father. But Christ, what is he? He's rock. He's bread. He's drink. He's satisfaction. Um, I learned a new, new word from my five-year-old niece um, this last week, actually. It's the word panivorous. That's, that's someone who lives by bread as opposed to carnivorous, okay? Yeah, she taught me that. She, she taught me that it's an adjective, too. She's a little bit smarter than I am as a five-year-old. <laughs> she might be, okay? But she, she the value of bread, you know, bread is so key to survival. During this uh, COVID pandemic, our college students, you know, got kicked out of college. Well, sort of. They came home to study. And, uh, they came home, and, and my son, who just graduated from Cedarville, he got into making bread. And it's just difficult to, like, tighten the belt after that. You know what I mean? Like, he's making all these different kind of breads. I became panivorous, but, you know, this passage would tell us that Christ, he is that satisfaction. I'm telling you, is there anything better than fresh bread? I mean, unless you're gluten-free. Is there anything better <laughs> than fresh bread, Right? Um, is there anything better than on a hard day when you've worked a tall, clean glass of water? Is there anything better than when you've been on a trip and you're weary and you're tired and you just want to be safe to walk in to a home? If your home is that place of protection, right? It's just that comfort of home. He says, Jesus, he eclipses all of that. So don't worship anything except him. But understand this too, verse 9 would tell us that Christ can be tested. And there's going to be a tension in every message with, am I the idolater or am I the person at Corinth who's listening? You know, am I, am I going to continue to ignore God and test him and say, I don't think that's enough. And I've done that. I've studied about Jesus and knew he's enough and said, really? Are you sure? And I've tested God. What do we learn about God the Father here? He's the provider of a relationship. If you come into family camp, even with family around you, you feel completely alone. Let me tell you this. 
God has determined his very plan or his promise to reach to you and have relationship with you so that you will not be alone. And he will never leave you or forsake you. He's the provider of that. He's the rescuer of that in this passage. God also can be displeased. And you might be a family camp, and this sermon is about bringing resolution. This is to stir you up a little. God may be very displeased with you right now. And I don't want to take that off. If God's displeased with you because you are doing wrong, I want you to understand the weight of that. And this passage will clearly tell us that God can be displeased. And we're going to study at least one sermon that's very uncomfortable in that, where God, God's righteousness clearly comes through. And remember, all these things were written as an example, as instruction for us, because we are at the end of the age. God is a destroyer. Don't miss that side. He has to be if he's both loving and holy and just. God is faithful, faithful rescuer. God is deserving of our worship. Only he, no idols. Okay, so how do we finish? Because we got to go to lunch or you're going to be hungry and the sermon will lose its illustration, okay? I think about this. Seek first God's kingdom. So out of this sermon, I've told you what Paul would say uh, in this section. I would just ask you this. This week, take, take today, take your nap time today. That is mandatory, right? I hope so. All the kids said no. Okay, the staff gets nap. We learned that. I say, ready, what are you going to do the rest of the day? Get ready to worship. If God said no idols, this is a simpler week than most weeks. That's part of why we come to camp. It peels some stuff away. There's still hard things, but it's a little simpler. And it gives us a place to practice some right things. So this week, say, okay, push the idols aside. And, and understand, faithful God, I want to worship him. So concentrate, decide, I'm going to concentrate to worship. And I'm going to let him show me my idols. Some of you are in that category. Um, I, I'm, some of you need to say, I'm, just, I'm ready to learn, and I'm ready to deal with temptation. Some of us have had temptation, we're all tempted, have temptation and it's running over us. Take this week if it's been running over you, and you know if God's prompting that, and say, okay, I'm going to deal with temptation this week and God's terms. Lord, I pray that our focus this week would be doing camp, not thinking about COVID. That our focus this week would be about who you are as our God who is rescuer, our God who um, is faithful, and our God who destroys or judges, that we would understand that and that we'd understand you want relationship with us. Teach us this this week. And help us through the stories that will be easier than the verses even to remember, to, to remind us of the seriousness of walking with you. Lord, impress upon our hearts that we are your church. And whether we like everything around us or not, that we are your church and we are here, placed by you, saved by you, to be on mission for you. And use this family camp week as a time to clear the deck and the distractions, to deal with temptations, to push out idols, and to say, okay, we want to follow you for the good of our neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen.